Hello and welcome to the Highly Sensitive Soul Podcast. My name is Lisa Matthews, and together we'll explore both the gifts and the challenges of being highly sensitive so that you can bring your unique magic out into the world. I am thrilled to welcome you to episode 26, because this is the one-year episode, the one-year anniversary of the Highly Sensitive Soul podcast. When I look back at this past year, I am blown away. I mean, from the incredible guests that I've been able to interview and share with you all, from the stories that have come from my own life, from the feedback and the messages and the Instagram shares, from those that are listening at home. I just have been really, really blown away. I don't know what I expected when I started a podcast. I don't, I didn't sit down and go, this is my intention with creating this podcast. I didn't I didn't set any metrics. I didn't set any specific goals. I had a rough idea of how often I wanted to release an episode, but really, truly, I had no idea what I was doing. I had to ask my partner, what's it called when like you record an episode and you put it on Spotify? Like, I don't know what kind of steps you need to do to make that happen. He's like, it's called distributing. I'm like, oh, okay, now I can Google distributing and learn how that works. <laughs> so long story short, this has been such an incredible year of learning, of growth, of sharing. And I really hope it's been helpful for each and every person that's tuned in. Even if they've only caught a few sentences through to every single episode, I just trust that whatever shared on this is exactly what needs to go out into the airwaves. You might hear my cat on the side here. She's coming to investigate what I'm doing. (laughs) So today, in keeping as well with the solstice, I'm going to be looking back at some lessons learned in my life this year as a highly sensitive, as a solopreneur, As someone who continues to walk and create this conscious life, this path of living as best I can, as gently on the earth, and really having fun doing it. There have been lots of speed bumps along the way, lots of challenges, and yet a lot of them have been solved by simply asking for help like I did right at the start when I wanted to start this podcast. And I realized when I look back now, part of me wanted to just dive in and get this going because I knew the more I looked at things, the more I watched tutorials and how a podcast quote-unquote should be, the more likely I was to lose touch with the inner voice of what I felt it wanted to be. Now, creating this show 
I don't know, do I call it a show? I guess so. I just did. <laughs> Creating this show, this podcast. This wasn't something that came from some kind of grand plan in my business. Maybe on a more spiritual level it did, but not from my own intentional self. I remember the moment and the place of where I was when I was walking out in the woods and it was like it was just delivered to me, this really incredible strong sense, this strong knowing, even though it was just whispered, that I needed to do this. I needed to start this podcast. I needed to create a space for highly sensitives that are both exploring the gifts of their sensitivities and a lot of that being the subtle connections the energy healing, the soul connection, their spirituality, as well as some of the challenges, the overwhelm and perfectionism. So it came in a time when I had a little extra space, and it also came in a time when it was, well, there was this knowing, like, I got to do this right now. So full transparency, little behind the scenes look. I don't think I've mentioned this before, that from that first knowing, that intuitive message of starting the podcast, that it was time to actually release in the first episode, have a guess how long that period was, given how little I knew. One week. It's all of one week. And let me tell you, I spent a long time on that first episode. <laughs> I spent a long time on creating the intro and creating the trailer for the podcast. And actually, as I say that, I'm like, no, the trailer, I just hit the button, recorded, and just spoke what came out. And I feel like I've had a lot of spiritual support with this, as well as, we'll say seen and unseen support. I have had a lot of people that have reached out and just said, hey, I really enjoy what I'm learning on your podcast. And for me, that is fantastic. Like that, I'm so grateful to hear that. And it's also very, continues to be a humbling process of like, wow, here I am sitting quite literally in my pajamas, <laughs> More on that in a minute. On a Sunday morning. Oh, no, it's it's afternoon now. <laughs> Again, I'll, I'll bring in a little more on that in a minute. And I'm sharing with you all across the world. It's a really incredible and, yes, very humbling feeling. Wow. So in this journey of starting the podcast, it had been like a precursor message, like this sort of planting of a seed in September of last year. And at that time, I was right in the middle of launching. I was right in the middle of so many different moving parts that I was like, no way right now. I'm feeling really full, but I love the idea. Can you come back later? So in December, it did. And when that idea came back... It came with that urgency of, now is the time. So, 
I'll back up to why I'm sitting in my pajamas on a Sunday afternoon. <laughs> and I'm recording this just a few days before the solstice. And this morning, I had the pleasure of taking part in a breathwork session held by Ariana Fotinakis. Again, I really hope I pronounced your last name right. I never really hear you say it, so apologies if that's not the right pronunciation. And I'll pop her, her link to these in the show notes. She holds them every month. I see the messages every month, and I go, oh, I'd love to do some breathwork. And there's that inner sense of like, mm, not quite right now. Okay, sure. But when I saw the messages for this particular day, for whatever reason, this was a, a yes, a I must go. And since it was a Sunday morning, and I'm a very sensory person, I like soft things, I put on my softest, coziest pajamas, got all tucked in, had an incredible breathwork session. Uh, there's a group of us, it's a breathwork circle, and highly recommend them. And today's was really intense and exactly what I needed to. I tend to prefer the this deep, gentle, slow, juicy experiences, and this was that and then some. And so as I had kind of cocooned myself in my little nest of blankets after doing breathwork, I just didn't really feel like doing much. Didn't feel like changing. I didn't feel like getting ready to go out. It's a foggy day here with a lot of fresh snow, so it's kind of bringing that extra layer to the cocooning. So as I've had some time to sit and to process, I also knew I wanted to record this episode sometime over this weekend or tomorrow. And while I generally do take full weekends off, December's been a very different fluidic month with weekends and taking space. But the, uh, I think of it like the episode showed up, the notes, what I wanted to share. I've been percolating on this episode for quite a while. I've been knowing, obviously, it's coming up. And yeah, after that session, I just sat, wrote down a few thoughts more than a few thoughts. We'll see if I get through them all. <laughs> I tend to write quite a bit. And there's this little internal shift of like, now, now is the time. So that's why I'm sitting here in my pajamas, wrapped in a really fuzzy blanket, recording on this Sunday afternoon. And I'm just really feeling a lot of gratitude for life. Even though there are hard things, and even though there have been some big moments, just in this exact moment in time, I'm really enjoying speaking with you. And whenever this gets to you, maybe it's going to be the middle of summer. Maybe you're on the other side of the world in Australia, and you're like, well, actually, I'm heading into summer solstice here. It's hot, and it's sunny, and the exact opposite of my snowy little mountain town that I get to live in here. Whatever the case, though, I'm going to share some learnings, as I mentioned before, some learnings from my own life this year from a highly sensitive perspective, and perhaps they'll be helpful, supportive for you. Now, 
the solstice is this wonderful liminal time, this wonderful in-between time where we get a chance to look back at the year that's gone by, the chance to reflect on what happened, what big events showed up, what little nourishing moments happened, what surprises came about in your life. So it's this in-between time of both looking back and also just holding this idea of next year, holding this idea of some of the dreams that you're looking forward to, some of the intentions you may want to start acting on, but not needing to yet. We're in between. I love, absolutely love this time of year. For me, winter solstice is definitely one of, if not my favorite day of the year. And this year is no different. And I love this, uh, I think of it as the time outside of time. 2021 is really winding down, so from about winter solstice through to early January, this is really that sense of of time outside of time for me, because we're not actually really stepping into 2022, not quite yet. So I really enjoy the spaciousness. Now, it's also a full moon. It was yesterday, so we're really in that energy. So it's been it's been intense, very different solstice feeling this year compared to last. And I was sharing with a friend and, and laughing that in a span of four days, I'm doing three winter solstice circles, which I thought was pretty awesome. Two that I've held, one online and one in person. And the other is one for me to go to, held by my mentor on Monday night. So I'm just, I'm swimming in the solstice energy right now. And I'm going to shift into some of the learnings I keep alluding to, (laughs) never quite starting up. So let's start with the first one, which to begin with, I have a big long list here. Yeah, I think the most obvious is key. And this one is all about sacred self-care. To never underestimate the value of self-care. For me, it's been expanding my definition of what self-care is. Yes, it's taking care of my physical body, taking care of my animal, as I've talked about in earlier episodes, the physical self that I am, sleep, eating really good food, having really good water, like just taking care of my basic animal needs, and I'm very privileged to be able to do so in a way that feels best for me. And self-care has expanded from Of course, that, creating a spacious schedule for myself, creating islands of time for rest, for recovery, which I have done for years and leaned in even more to this year. But self-care is so much more about connecting to my spirituality than I ever thought about, about creating that time to go out in the woods, not 
necessarily for exercise or for movement, though that's a nice benefit too, but simply to be out there to connect with the plants. Self-care is examining how I speak to myself. How kind are the words of my self-talk? Self-care is going to counseling, going to somatic experiencing, going to circles where I am held in this space as I hold many of them. I love being a facilitator and at the same time, I need to make sure I am held in community as well. Self-care is giving myself the space to be my highly sensitive self. The benefits of all of this, and I could keep going on what self-care is, because their classic thought of, well, okay, self-care is, and it may have expanded beyond bubble baths and, and getting our nails done or pedicures. I really struggle with people touching my feet with nail files, so that one's never felt that great for me. But allowing ourselves to create our own definition of what sacred self-care really means. That to me is very, very important. So a benefit of all of this is that I actually tend not to lean into my my less nourishing habits, we'll say. So those are things that I know don't fill me up, but that I do reach for from time to time. And I'm human. I'm okay with that. Whether that be spending a little longer on the computer than I would have liked, or a lot longer. Or whether that be reading just a... I call them my fluff novels, just really, really lighthearted stories or romance or something that just fills me up with wonderful feelings. Sometimes that's a form of self-care. Sometimes I know I'm using it to just disconnect. And if I spend too long on my phone, if I spend too long on a, a screen, I know I don't feel as well as I could have if I had done something else. And at the same time, I'm okay with that. I am going to be on a journey of shifting into deeper levels of being with how I feel, of being able to just sit with the emotions coming up, expanding my window of tolerance of what feels good in the moment. The more I lean into self-care, the less I reach for a screen. So that has as well been a multiple year-long process. I go through stages where I feel really like I've got this. All my devices are turned off by six. I'm not checking email after hours. Everything is like, everything's going well. And then there's other times I fall into a different phase where I'm like, oh, okay, I need to reach for my tools again. I'm on my phone way more than I'd like. And it's not out of a space of judgment or shame or self-blame, or at least I work on that too, but being able to use my energy the way that I would like to by sitting down at the piano instead of reaching for a quick check of Instagram. More on my thoughts on, on social media and my practices and business relationship to that soon. So 
a really continued learning of the value of self-care and expanding my definition of what self-care really is. So shifting into the next learning. And a lot of these are reminders and that's has a lot to do with the maybe the next one I'll share here. Learning number 2 on the healing spiral. The way I think of this is if you imagine a spiral in a 3D sense more in the shape of, I guess, a cyclone or tornado, like this 3D spiral as a line. And there's this concept, I did not invent this, there's this concept of us, say, starting at the bottom, we're at a particular icky, challenging, hard place with something, say it's really struggling with regret over something. And we do a lot of inner work, maybe we get lots of support, and we kind of move our way up along the spiral. And we're like, oh, feel free. This doesn't bother me anymore. I no longer regret this. And then if you imagine the shape of a spiral, eventually it does come back to the same point, just a bit higher up. And maybe that relationship to regret changes and you think, I thought I've dealt with this. I thought I've done the inner work to let this go and never regret anything again. But this is the nature of the healing spiral. We get to come at things with a different perspective, from a different point of view. And so even if they come around again, it's not so much about beating up oneself of going, oh, like, I guess I guess I really wasn't past this. You can ask the question... Am I in a different place and interacting with this, say, struggle with regret in this example? Uh, the healing spiral is, yes, a very linear way of looking at healing, and we know that that is not at all how healing goes. Healing's not a very straightforward thing. Yet, I find it a helpful reminder to myself if I'm ever struggling with something again. And I'm like, oh, right, okay, I have different tools. I have different awareness. I am a different person, even as I meet this challenge in a new way, in a different way. And it's not me going through the same thing again and again. And there's other, other situations of this where we tend to repeat patterns a lot. And if there's the exact same kind of situations following us, the exact same relationships coming into our life, that can be something slightly different where we're still working through that pattern a bit. But in general, the healing spiral, I find a really beautiful way of bringing softness when something comes around again. So that leads me into learning number three. That is all about how releasing perfectionism is a process. So I started with the healing spiral to basically set the scene for the fact that I've worked with perfectionism, overdoing things, over-engineering things in so many ways. <laughs> and part of this, I know, is the trait 
how the trait shows up within myself as a highly sensitive, we can be very prone to perfectionism. We're very aware of the small details. I tend to find at least one or two spelling errors or punctuation errors in any book I read. Little things like that through to that sense of, oh, I just can't quite get this, this thing right. This, you know, whatever, if I'm writing about a circle or writing about anything really, something I'm doing in my life. And even though working with perfectionism, releasing it, being a recovering perfectionist, even though that's something that I've addressed and changed elements of, imagining that healing spiral again, I come back around to it in different ways, in different forms. Sometimes I feel like it sneaks up on me and surprises me in a whole new way. (laughs) And, And it might take me a little bit to realize, oh, this is me just trying to put that perfectionist hat back on, and I'm going to choose not to. So some of the ways I've released that this year, and oh, we'll keep working on this, is emails. I tend to spend quite a lot of time with emails and reading over and trying to find the right tone, trying to have, trying to be able to convey my thoughts and the emotions in text without 10 million smiley faces and explanation points. Okay, seriously, who else puts a lot of explanation points? (laughs) I don't mean to be yelling, I'm injecting enthusiasm. (laughs) But I do tend to spend quite a long time on email and Maybe I will reword that as I am reducing the time spent on email intentionally because I realized that was part of that perfectionism just creeping in a bit. Oh, right. I don't actually need to spend so much time on this. This is okay. Especially if I write something big and long and get three words back from someone that I'm like, yeah, that sums it up or that answers the question. (laughs) So it's... uh, Probably, I know, I know, I know I'm not the only one that struggles with writing emails. Struggled. I'm getting better. I'm getting there. When I think about this podcast, I think about the first episode compared to now, uh, especially those first probably three months. And yeah, roughly around, around there, though it continued on, just gradually got better with it. But I would spend quite a lot of time recording, re-recording, taking sections out, editing, sleeping on it, coming back the next day, rewording something. And while that gave me a sense of safety in what I was putting out to the world, because I know that there are quite a lot of people that listen to this podcast, which still I'm... I'm really thrilled by. I'm very... The amount of people that now know they aren't alone as a highly sensitive has gone up in the world. And that makes me really excited. So, all that to say, it took me a while and intention to see again, okay, I'm bringing these perfectionist tendencies for a number of reasons. Again, I find safety the more I feel okay, everything I've released, okay, yep, I'm okay with that. But maybe my wording actually doesn't fit with someone and I would have no way of controlling that. And I I knew that going like at the outset, but these are all, this is why releasing perfectionism is a process. We don't tend to do it overnight. 
I've gained a lot more time and energy doing it that way. So if you hear the occasional little meow or squeak or a car rumbling by, uh, I tend not to edit those out as much now. I just leave them in (laughs) and sometimes I'll name them. So things continue to improve and continue to change. And I continue to find new ways to work on perfectionism and releasing it in a, a gentle, easeful way. So I'm going to shift into the next learning, and this is on a different topic, and that is, I am allowed to take up space. I am allowed to take up space in the world. Now there's some something I noticed recently about myself. When I cross the street, I got a crosswalk, and there's someone that's coming or waiting already for me, I realize, wow, I hunch my shoulders, I lean forward, and I speed walk. I give them a little wave. Like, wow, I'm like shrinking into myself, thinking, oh, I'm inconveniencing this person. Better hurry up. Realizing, hey, I'm allowed to walk across the street at a normal pace to take up my space to do that. Now, I won't share all the examples, because some of them are a little more personal. I know I share a lot on here, but there's a lot I keep for myself too. But I want to float this question out to you. How do you take up space in your life? I'm going to talk about this and the next learning because they fit pretty closely together. The next learning is that I don't need to worry so much about what is most convenient for other people. They'll be fine. They're on their own journey too. And not all of you may relate to this, and that's okay, but I, I, I bet there are quite a few that do, that make decisions from this place of, oh, I know, okay, if we're going out to a restaurant, uh, I know my friend really loves Italian, so I'm going to go there. Before even asking yourself, well, what do I feel like eating right now? I know that seems like a very tiny example, a tiny insignificant detail. But when we, when we make those decisions all day, every day, based off what we think other people like, what is most convenient for other people, when we speed walk across the street just to get to the other side, even if the road's a bit icy and we probably got to slow down, Are we taking up our own space? And this doesn't have to be this huge 180 of, oh, I'm going to drag my heels when I'm walking across the street. That's not at all what I'm getting at here. But can we make decisions from the place of what our needs, wants, and desires are first? Many of us are incredibly empathetic, incredibly attuned to other people. We can see, sense, or just know that they are slightly uncomfortable, or maybe they'd be more comfortable with, say, the window closed, or whatever it might be. But many of us, as a highly sensitive, as highly sensitive people, we're quite empathetic, we are quite kind, quite compassionate, 
We love for other people to feel warm, cozy, comfortable. And that's great. That is a beautiful quality to have. Just imagine if our entire world was made up of people that were purely kind, compassionate, and empathetic with everyone else's needs in mind first. Yet, for those of us that tend to put our needs not even second, third, fourth, we're like last on the list, eventually things can get really difficult, really challenging, and we can feel a lot of resentment. Maybe you're eating at that Italian restaurant with your friend and going, you know what, I really want it Thai tonight. I only go out for dinner once a month, whatever it might be. These are just the little ways that show you, oh, I wonder, and I ask or invite this sense of curiosity if this comes up for for you in your life. If that feeling of resentment comes up, relates a lot to boundaries. But I invite you to just be curious of, huh, where did I put myself last? Or where did I not listen to what I wanted? I invite you before making decisions, and if you struggle with this, especially when it's with other people, just take an extra few moments of thinking, okay, what if no, and this is what I've used as my own way of of getting clearer on what I want, is I imagine there's no one else involved in the decision. So for example, say it's a beautiful summer day, and my partner goes to me, huh, what should we do today? It sounds opposite, but I actually think, okay, let me pretend that he's not in the picture, that I don't have to plan anything else for anyone in my life just for a moment, just to get in touch with what do I actually want to do? Not the half-made plans I've made with other people that maybe are waiting to hear back, just tuning into what do I want to do on a beautiful summer day? And that at least gives you more information than automatically saying, well, what do you want to do? So I want to bring a little tongue-in-cheek in this in that, yes, we are going to be making decisions with other people in mind at the end of the day. Many of us have families. We've got partners, husbands, wives, children, pets. There's other other beings to keep in mind, but... If we spent even a quarter of the amount of time thinking about what we want and need compared to what would be most convenient, most helpful for that person, our lives would be really different, I bet you. So I invite you to think about what would I actually like to do in any given scenario that comes up there and just have that as information. This can help you to take up more space in your life. This can help you to release worrying so much about what other people would be, what would be most convenient for them, what would be easiest for them. Yes, there are times and places to really extra consider other people. Say if someone's ill, say if someone's really going through a hard time and that's a rare occasion, then you just just really want to be there for them. But if we are doing that day in, day out, for our entire lives. Well, I just wonder where where else our energy could go. Where else our energy could go into walking our own path? 
Maybe there's some lightness in that, not from a selfish way, but from a way of connecting to what we actually need. And as I mentioned earlier, a lot of this has to do with boundaries. So there's a few other learnings for you. And just a quick recap of what we've covered so far. These learnings I'm sharing from my own life that hopefully will be supportive in your life. The first was never underestimating the value of self-care and expanding your definition of what self-care actually is. The second was on the healing spiral. And it's okay to come back to things and in different parts of our life, different times in our life, knowing we'll have different perspectives, practices, and tools to meet those challenges. The third is releasing perfectionism is a process. The fourth was to take up space in your own life. The fifth is not needing to worry quite so much about what's most convenient for other people. We can be kind, we can be very compassionate, we can think of others. And at the same time, we often do this so well, so naturally, that we forget about what we want sometimes. It may not be in every area of your life, there may just be certain things. And this is going to lead me into my learning number six. <laughs> and, and that is on friendships. One of my intentions for 2021, this is in some ways a vulnerable share and also seems so, so needed. So I'm, I am feeling really good about sharing. One of my intentions for 2021 was to make more friends. I have struggled with friendships for pretty much my entire life. I have so, this is especially before understanding my need for alone time, my need for a drop in the level of stimulation in terms of light, noise, my need for just recovery, cocooning. And I would find myself quite drained after meeting with people. So I, for a long time, just kind of had a blanket, um, okay, I guess I don't need a lot of people in life. I'm not going to try too hard with friendships because I really struggled to find people that were just easy to be around. Anyone else relate? Especially as a highly sensitive, especially as a highly empathic person. We tend to be great listeners and many people open up to us sometimes without even realizing how much they're sharing. And we may suddenly feel like, oh, either being, and I say this for lack of better terms, kind of being emotionally dumped on. You're like, whoa, that was a lot. I didn't actually have the bandwidth for all of, all of that that just came spewing out. So then you might think, okay, I don't really want to catch up with that person. But what if that was just a particular experience, a particular day? And how many of us here have ever had someone say, wow, I can't believe I just told you that. I never tell anyone that. 
or something along those lines. Or you're so easy to talk to, or you're such a good listener. And these are all true things about you. These are wonderful things to be proud of, to be happy with. These are gifts. And as I named a lot on the podcast, there can be two sides to the coin here. We can be a wonderful listener, but if we don't take up the space to even say to, say we're catching up with a friend for tea and a walk and they just kind of start unloading the week, we may need to step into that space of going, you know, I really feel compassionate about your week or it sounds like you've had a really tough week, but I don't actually really have the bandwidth right now to really talk about that. And if you do feel like there's an an equal exchange of being held in that relationship, of you being able to share your tough times and vice versa, maybe you can say, hey, why don't we catch up again on this particular day and I'll be in a better space to really hear and explore what's been going on with you. Or maybe you just want to leave it there and go, hey, can we talk about, and this is where you can bring in something that's a little easier to to explore, even if it's talking about the scenery, if you're walking through the woods, maybe a well-timed squirrel can pop out of the woods and you can (laughs) point it out. Even if you are a fantastic listener, that doesn't mean you have to sit, have to listen, have to absorb all the energy from anyone that wants to share it with you. This one took me a really long time to learn. And I will, just like the healing spiral, probably continue to come at it in different ways. I found friendships challenging because I would either find myself in that role of, especially as a practitioner, and I say this with a really, there's a a huge level of honor in people sharing their difficulties in life. So I never wanted to shut people down or anything along those lines, but I would feel in the past this unconscious need to just show up for that person regardless. And now if things are really coming up and it's someone new that I've met, I may invite them to say, hey, actually, I've I've worked with this counselor that really helped me through, like maybe if it was something similar, I'd be really happy to give you her name. Or shifting it into an awareness depends on your level of comfort, depends on your relationship and rapport, just shifting the awareness of going, hey, this sounds like something that might need a little more support. There's ways to work with this. And I literally had to Google how to make friends. (laughs) And yes, having COVID has made things in some ways more challenging to just meet people. But I realized this year I was waiting for that instant soulmate connection with friends. You know what I'm talking about? You meet someone at, say, a potluck and you guys get chatting and, oh, neat, you like that. Oh, I like that too. And you end up chatting for hours and you're like, this is a cool person and you just really are on the same wavelength. I realized I was being a little bit too quick to really too quick to judge and go, no, you know, this wasn't an easy conversation for me, or it was hard to find things to talk about, or 
whatever. And some of that can be, it can take a little time to get to know someone and that's okay. Oh, and full disclosure, I've actually, when that, in that Googling, I listened to this great podcast episode with a friendship coach. I didn't know they existed. And she gave some really great pointers. That was one of them. I don't remember the exact wording, uh, but something along the lines of kind of give people a few chances. If you feel like maybe this person could be a supportive, wonderful, fun friend to have in life to not need to know right it right away. Oh yeah, I get this person, they get me. We're besties. That's super fun when that happens. <laughs> but at the same time, I would love to attribute and I would honestly love to bring her on the show, whoever this friendship coach was, but I have not been able to find that episode again. So I'll see, I'll do some more digging. And if she ends up tuning into this by some synchronicity, I'd love you to get in touch. But in general, coming back to this idea of friends, since highly sensitives can, f and I don't say this as all of us, but many of us can find change difficult. And a new relationship is a layer of change. So it can be easier to stick to our, our old ways, our old few people in life that you know, okay, I have my social bucket is filled, kind of tick in the box, but what if it was really fun to meet with people? Connecting with community, connecting with people that maybe walk a different path in terms of their life, but they hold really similar values. That is huge. That has been life-changing for me. One of the first circles I ever went to back in... I'm going to say probably 2015. And Melanie O'Leary, she's a wonderful space holder over on Bone Island. And I had such a sense of connection with the other women in this group, this women's circle. I didn't know their life stories. I didn't know, who, you know, what they were all about, but we'd shared an experience. And suddenly I just felt like, huh, no idea this kind of connection could exist when I've just met someone in a group like this with each person. So finding community, finding connections, finding our people to hang out with, that when we leave that gathering, that we still feel like ourselves. Or maybe we do feel a little bit tired because we're just going through walking, talking, processing. That's okay but not drained to the point of, okay, I don't think I can get out of bed the next day. There's a, there's a barometer there. So finding who is, who can be in our friend circle is, is a very, it's a special decision, really. So my, actually my partner, he gave me some great advice on friends and I'll share it here before moving to the next learning. There's a lot in this. There's a lot I could talk about on friends and making friends as a highly sensitive. I do not feel like an expert by any stretch, but I'm learning. I'm learning. And I have so many wonderful friends online now. I did not anticipate that, did not expect that. So that in itself is a lot of fun. Anyway, the suggestion I had from my partner was to find people 
to connect with that had nothing to do with my work. Find people that actually didn't know much about crystals or oracle cards or journeying. He's like, so because so many of my personal interests, my personal spiritual practices also relate to my business and my professional practice, I think that's a great thing that there's so much overlap. But I also do need to just go meet up with people to walk in the woods and talk about what their plans are for their Christmas holidays. While as a highly sensitive, deep and meaningful connections and conversations, they really light me up. They really fill me up. Small talk can be incredibly draining. (laughs) And at the same time, having friends that aren't as deep in the spiritual world that I am is really fun too. When he first said that, I kind of went, oh, well, that's a, don't know. I don't know if I, if I'm on board with that idea or not, of just, you know, getting together with someone that doesn't have as many overlapping interests. And then I realized, okay, I bike, I ski, I hike, I snowshoe, I climb. There's probably lots of people that do those things that we then don't necessarily always need to talk about energy healing or values or these really deep conversations. Now, this might sound a little weird or sound a little opposite, and you might be like, huh, ah, I'm just thinking about that. But creating space for just light, easy conversations, for learning more about the technical side of climbing, say, or different bouldering techniques, it's a lot of fun. And it just gave me an even wider view of myself within my work and within all the other elements of my life. So I have, and I was saying even a couple weeks ago, this is so awesome to have people that I know I can just message to go out and do something, to go meet me at the climbing gym, to go hang out at a coffee shop, which is not something I do all that often. (laughs) The other layer of friendships that I'll finish off this learning with, I feel like there's a lot more on this one. I may need to bring another, uh, maybe need to either find that friendship coach or expand on this more. I just feel like there's a lot to share on it. Because relationships are important. Our community is important. I have a very deep spiritual community. I meet with them often at least two, if not three times a month. Some of them more because they live closer, some are online. So that really feeds that part of me. But there's, so it's nice to just have the full dimensionality of life, connecting with people on all these different levels. Oh yes, to wrap up this section on friendships, I realized and really gave myself permission to not have to see people or follow up with new friends like right away and see them every week. I was kind of in this place of realizing, and I've known this for years, that I'm I'm an introvert a lot of the times and I actually have moments of being an extrovert. Thus the term ambivert. It's quite handy. <laughs> so, and this is in relation to my menstrual cycle. So I know which days out of the month I'm most likely to feel social. 
in which days I'm likely to feel really lonely if I don't plan ahead to make some time to connect with people. There's particular, especially right over my moon time, over my period itself, I am quite nourished in my own company with a cat and a book. I'm, I'm good. But heading into around ovulation time, um, especially the weekend that's around ovulation time. So this past month, Saturday fell on day 15. I was like, okay, I got to make some plans here. Because I know in the past, if I don't, and I, I feel that spark for outreach, and I don't connect with others, there's a pretty deep sense of loneliness that can show up. So this is a way that I dance with my inner rhythms in terms of social connection. So be curious in your own life. What are times when you feel quite social? And it might not be very social at all. If you are a really introverted person, that is a-okay. And many people assume that all highly sensitives must be introverts. However, the research says there's actually about 70% that are introverts, 30% extroverts. They didn't name ambiverts in there, so I'm going to guess there's a bit of crossover in there as well. That some of those introverts have moments of being more extroverted, being filled by spending time with people. So that is the learning on friendship. All right, and I'm going to lean into one more learning Though honestly, I'm going to add in a few more in there because I have about 10 on my list. But I'll summarize it in this. That experiences can be very different for a highly sensitive compared to a person that doesn't identify as one. That that's okay. And to give an actual example of what that means is that recently, at the start of December, I got a very last-minute spot as a vendor at the Rosland Winter Artisan Market. Thanks so much for (laughs) letting me come in there as a last-minute. And that week leading up to it was probably one of the biggest, most intense weeks of the entire year. (laughs) And including that weekend, I should say leading up to it because I had about three and a half days to prep as well as the two days of the market. So I'll flesh this out a little bit more because it might not, the dots might not be connected yet of experiences being different for an HSP and that being still okay. That there are different tools and practices, I'll add this in, that there's different tools and practices that I really need to bring in order to feel good and have fun at things like this. So I do like, I like Christmas markets for the most part, going and having a wander and going straight home. (laughs) I find them actually quite loud too. So my first thought when I heard about it, actually I'll back up. My first thought of ever doing an indoor market was no way, it's way too loud for me. There's too many people, there's too much happening. I don't know what the lighting's going to be like if I've not been in the building. And I don't want to commit to multiple days in a space where I need to be on. I need to be uh, able to, to speak with people and to be myself and not be totally overstimulated and with a headache. So as a vendor at the market, I had brought my flower essences my plant potions, 
which I so love to introduce people to. So I had the flower essences. I had other blends that I'd been working with for a while that hadn't really made it out to my online shop yet or as widely. So as an example of how this relates, person A doesn't resonate with the term highly sensitive, doesn't think they are one. They sign up, do a market and go, oh, that was a lot of work. Okay, off to the next thing. For me, I needed to very carefully plan throughout the week. Okay, I need to sterilize all the bottles. I need to make up a essentially a menu, like a flyer with the different blends that I offer. I do custom blends of working with well over 100 flower essences, but from experience I've learned much easier to have a few pre-made blends for people to choose from, like Centered Calm or Empathic Boundaries or Easeful Confidence, that sort of sum up what they're for. So of course, being my highly sensitive self, I wanted, and the one that's also working on releasing perfectionism, I also wanted to have my online events and in-person events all on a really nice flyer and get them on the website, the ones coming up in January. So I had a lot of just like computer design to do, actual prep to do, reaching out to people to just let them know I'm going to be there, a whole bunch of other things just to actually bring to the market. And then as a highly sensitive, who knows, I know I have to eat regularly. So thinking about pre-cooking, making sure I have enough easy snacks, not knowing how busy it's going to be. So if I could actually, you know, take a few seconds outside for some fresh air. So I was like, okay, what flower essences, what tinctures do I need? What stones do I want to bring? My packing for markets looks quite different <laughs> from most people. I literally take a basket, like a woven basket, so that I can see all my easy-to-grab self-care tools and friends, really. And I have different bottles, different stones, and I bring my earplugs as well, my heroes, which are clear, so generally people can't see them. There's so many things about running a market, or not running a market, thankfully, but being a vendor at a market as a highly sensitive. (laughs) And I won't go through them all here, all the details. But even though I had to do quite a lot of extra planning for A, okay, my business, and I don't, little things, I don't have a color printer. So making sure that I go to someplace that I can print off things ahead of time. How am I going to keep in touch with people? Am I going to offer a giveaway or some way for people to join my email list? All the things. So I have all these thoughts going in the lead up to the market, which many that aren't a highly sensitive, many won't have. I don't know everyone else's experience, not a mind reader, but can guess they probably won't be thinking about things to the level of detail that the highly sensitive me will, and that's okay. And then through the market itself, how do I take care of myself? And then after that, how do I plan my recovery? That's super, super important. Planning recovery time when things are already busy. I already had my clients booked for the week. There was already quite a few things happening. And I didn't realize till after the fact that there was a layer of of myself that was like, okay, I'm, I'm stepping more out into the community, into Roslyn where I live, showing them that I do this very energetic-based work 
It's very spiritual based work as well. And that's really centered on self growth. And for the most part, people haven't been to Rosalind. It's, it's a ski town. It's a sports town. <laughs> so I have people give me some very interesting looks as I explain what I do. I try to meet people where they're at and give them languaging that the best I can tell is going to make sense. But I know I'm not for everyone. And that's okay. So I didn't realize until after the fact on the Monday when I'm like, wow, I still feel a layer of tension. I thought I would kind of be like in full rest mode. I wonder what this is. And it was the emotional layer of me stepping out and being more visible in my community. So that was a little knowledge, aha, little insight moment, just gained from tuning into my body and asking, what is this tension about? It can be scary to show up when we are very energetically minded people, when we believe in subtle, when for me, I don't get into spirit guides so much when I'm talking to people at a market, but when it's part of my personal practice to connect with spirit guides, to connect with helping spirits, plant spirits, crystal spirits, it can feel like, I'll speak from my own layers, it can feel like I'm different and I also want to just connect with you as a, as a person. But here I am bringing this very different way of looking at the world and it might be the first time they've ever really heard that. Compare that to when I was a nurse, say, especially when I worked in clinical research for some of the really big pharmaceutical companies, that's very easy to establish your credibility and credence right away. Oh yeah, okay, yeah, I know what you do. I kind of, even if a person doesn't know what my job entails, they kind of get the idea. You test out drugs and see how they work for safety and efficacy. For me, explaining craniosacral to someone, I'm very much tracking how are they understanding? Are they interested to hear more? Have they kind of checked out and I can just kind of wrap it up really quick? Or are they truly drawn for some reason? Are they feeling that tug to learn a little bit more about this wonderful way of working with the body, this cross between body work and energy healing that really focuses on first the nervous system, but the whole body itself, that craniosacral acknowledges the physical, the mental, the spiritual, the emotional, all within a person. So long story short, even though my experience in this example of being a vendor at a market, from getting the email saying I'm in through to recovering at the other end of it, even though my experience will be very different as a highly sensitive person, compared to someone who isn't overstimulated as much by loud noises, lights, many people, by what will people think of me, that's okay. And I can still choose to have those experiences. I can still choose to go and be a vendor at a market. And I'm probably going to plan a lot around it for my own self-care and my own well-being. So this comes back to, all right, I said it was the last learning, and I'm just over an hour here. So I'm going to uh, move us towards a close. 
but I'm going to bring in a number eight. (laughs) That is, I can create and grow my business in a way that's aligned with me, my sensitivities, and my values. It's a much more intuitive approach to having a business. There is no template that is going to show up and be emailed to you on exactly how you run your business best. Now, I'm, I'm still figuring that out. I'm now heading into my fifth year as a business owner. And I think I've said in an earlier episode, I didn't even realize for the first few years that I had a business. <laughs> like, there are things that I did as a business owner early on that I thought I had to just because it's quote-unquote what practitioners did. So, such as getting up at 6 a.m. to go to really early networking meetings before, uh, before you know, the, the work day, so to speak. And I do really well with slow mornings, with slow wake-ups, with time to sit with and pull a few cards, So there are lots of things I did in my business early on. And quite honestly, some of them I just had to try out. Do I like this? I don't know. Let's give it a whirl. And one of those that I thought I quote unquote had to do was have a social media presence. Was to show up regularly on Instagram and or Facebook, TikTok, whoever else you want to land in there now. There's a lot of them. Never been on TikTok, by the way. (laughs) don't know how it all works. And this has been a huge year, especially though it's been, yeah, really, really consciously quite a bit longer than that, but really consciously this year stepping into what does my business, how does it best unfold in a way that supports my sensitivities and my values? What types of offerings are aligned with me, even if the title isn't as flashy as a marketer would have said. So there's there's a lot in the business world, a lot. I have taken a few business programs. I have been in numerous trainings and I've taken a little bit, probably from each one, I can't guarantee that, but I've taken a little bit of learning or a lot of learning. And to be quite honest, the more I come back to what fits for me, the more easeful my business is. The more it grows, the more it's fun. It doesn't mean I don't have weeks where I go, oops, I overplanned this one a little bit. I need to make sure I plan some extra downtime or, oh, I ended up doing way too much work for free on that. Like, I... I will fully and transparently say I will probably forever be learning elements of how to best run my practice and run my business. That's okay. I can have fun with it along the way. But creating a schedule, creating offerings, creating a way to connect with people through the podcast, for example, that's all come about because of what's shown up intuitively. From there, I can lean into my trainings or do further research or connect with other people to collaborate. 
but all the seeds of ideas, all the seeds of dreams that I've had and do have for my business, they've all come through intuitively. The more I listen to that, the better it gets. So I want to acknowledge a few few people and groups that have been really helpful for this. And I'm not affiliated with either of them. I just really like them. So I go to gatherings at the 5D Collective. I'll drop that in the show notes. And I love their, they're just, they're very aware entrepreneurs. They're creating a different way of doing things. They have a lot more of a community there that I can lean into. And I also really love the podcast called The Embodied Business Podcast with Yarrow. I feel like I've gotten these extra levels of permission to just continue doing things as they show up for me from listening to her podcast. So highly recommend. Maybe I'll connect with Yara one day and bring her on or vice versa. Maybe I can join her on her show. Who knows? But this is also part of the solstice. I'm going to wrap today's anniversary episode up by creating a space for dreaming. If these are some of the learnings I've had from last year, well, what are some of my learnings? What are meaningful things that I want to take forward with me? What are some elements that I want to leave behind? And as the solstice, which essentially translates to the sun stands still, it looks like it stands still on the horizon for three days before starting to in the northern hemisphere anyway, starting to move into the longer days of light with more sunshine. The winter solstice, of course, has the most number of minutes of nighttime, of darkness, the longest night. So we're heading into this pause. We've been having, of course, longer and longer nights here, which I've loved. And then with the return of the sun... We start getting longer and longer days again as we make our way towards summer solstice. And this is a time of year where we can really just be in this introspective, dreamy space of, I wonder what's going to show up for me next year. What dreams do I have? And you don't have to do anything just yet. They can just be in this beautiful solstice space. We tap into the energy of renewal with the return of the light. And for me, it's my new year. Solstice is the start of the next cycle for me, for many others. But as I mentioned earlier, it gives me that space, that time outside of time. So after this, I'm going to be taking a step back. You won't see me on social media for a little while. I'd alluded earlier about this assumption that I have to have a social media presence and that's going to be changing in the new year. I don't know exactly what that looks like, but I'll be consciously stepping more away from that. So to keep in touch with offerings, with upcoming classes, courses, and circles, 
I invite you to join my newsletter list. And you can head to bit.ly bit.ly forward slash soothe your spirit to join up and to get the five S's to soothe your nervous system. So with that, I hope you have a wonderful holiday season. I hope there is some space and time you can take to sit, to rest, to reflect, to allow the seeds of new dreams to come and visit you. And until 2022, bye for now.